Greetings, salutations, and welcome back to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And the road to Picard is still rolling on, but this week we will engage the Borg. We're looking at Q Who from season two, and then jump into the third season finale, which is the best of both worlds, part one. I think fair to say both these episodes are better than Times Squared. Oh, (laughs) yeah, they're both felting episodes. So let's dig in straight away then with Q Who. The story, bare bones of it, is Picard gets abducted by Q, taken to a shuttlecraft, and Guinan's the first one to notice something's wrong. It's like she senses Q. Yeah. Which, there's a lot of interesting stuff with Guinan and Q that we'll talk about. Um... They come back to the ship eventually. Q reveals that he's now wanting to join Starfleet <laughs> because he's fallen out of favour a bit with the continuum <laughs> and wants to make himself useful. And that... The debate goes on... Well, not very long, really. Picard's not having any of yeah. it. And he claims that Q wouldn't be that useful. Q takes a front to this and decides, I'll show you yeah. what's actually waiting out there yeah. for you. And with that, he zaps them into what we later find out is the Beta Quadrant. And they have the first meeting with the Borg. They take, to be fair, they take a bit of a beating from the Borg. Yeah, we find the Borg are a proper badass baddie. Yeah. And they it leads to a bit of a battle, a bit of a pursuit, until Q ultimately saves them. And we're left with Picard reflecting on it ultimately being grateful that they've got time to prepare now for yeah. the threat that's coming. So first of all, just as a story, how does it work? Oh, it works really well as a story. It, well written, well played. I like John DeLacy episodes. Yeah. I think Q episodes are all, Q episodes are always good fun. Q episodes are great and Borg episodes are generally great, so you get some Yeah, of, well this is the first time we see the Borg. Yeah, exactly. And you kinda get two for one here that we yeah. get, we get Q who's always good fun, but we're introduced to a villain that that like we've got previously we've sort of had the they've worked on the they've looked at the Ferengi, haven't they, for the first yeah. season. And they've turned out nah, they've, they've sort of scrapped that idea by yeah, now. Yeah, definitely. And the Romulans and the Klingons are sort of on an equal par. To yeah. The, like, the Klingons have got the treaty now with the Federation, but the Romulans are there. But they're sort of on an equal par, so there's... There are more... The Romulans are kind of a more political kind of enemy. But yeah. The Borg, at this time, was something brand new for Star Trek. They were just this unstoppable thing that you, you couldn't talk to and you yeah, couldn't, you couldn't reason negotiate with Yeah, you couldn't negotiate with... They just... No, we're just going... And they are frightening in this episode, just in in terms of the power that they display and the threat that they pose to the Federation and everything. And it's it's all done in a very kind of logical, really thorough way the story moves forward, you know. Yeah, it's like, they don't beat the Borg here. She no. has to save, she exactly. saves them at the end. They don't, the Borg has them beaten hands down. And it's... There's, it's cleverly set up that these are a race that you wouldn't have met until later on, but Q intercedes and so he escalates that yeah. threat. And they do 
sort of tie it into we we had in the neutral zone at the end of season one we had bits about colonies disappearing and yeah there's it, it's tied into that that it's presumed that that must be something to do with the bog um but they they are presented as this unstoppable monster that starfleet's really gonna have to pull its socks up if yeah. it wants to wants to defeat them so yeah, I think it, I think it's great. I think the two prong thing of having Q and having the Borg is really good. Yeah, and they don't skimp on devoting time to them. You know, both threads of it get explored and yeah. get the necessary screen time. And it's quite amazing, really. This is all done in one forty-five minute episode. It is actually. There's a lot go. It's a it's a full-on episode. Yeah, it's a very tight script. It doesn't mess about. Really, really good stuff. So let's have a look then at our characters. Picard, we get quite a bit in this one. So, first of all, we see a little bit of the short-tempered Picard we've had glimpses of here and there with this bit with Ensign Gomez at the start. Yeah. Where she spills the coffee on him and everything. Hot chocolate, yeah. Hot chocolate, Like, like what's she doing with hot chocolate around the engineering consoles anyway? Yeah, I mean, you'd think they'd be liquid-proof, but still... Like, yeah... Maybe, maybe, like you hear Jordy say quite often, they're pulling double shifts. So yeah, maybe we'll replicate for coffees maybe and so, keep them caffeinated up. I quite liked her as a character. She does come back at yeah, once or twice, but not off, not much. Yeah, there's a couple of appearances of her, but I think she'd have been a good recurring yeah. character, and maybe in something like Deep Space Nine, she would have been the the yeah. bringing her back. But yeah, she's quite a fun sort of presence, and it's nice to have. Geordie talking to a woman without going all weird. <laughs> yeah, and I like how, like, she's saying how she's pushing all the time and yeah, and all that. And Geordie goes, "Look, you've made it. Yeah, you've proved that you're the best. I asked for you because you're yeah, so good exactly. at this field. It is a shame we don't get maybe to see a bit more of her in the long run. But in this episode, she's great. I like with Picard earlier on uh, when Q takes him to the shuttle. And Picard just says, well, the Enterprise will continue with Riker as the captain. Yeah. <laughs> I like the, the dynamic between Picard and Q. Like, Well, I like how, I like their way he goes on the shuttle. He opens, like, the turbo lift and he yeah. ends up on the shuttle. And he's off and he goes, what is this? You promised never to set foot on the Enterprise again? He goes, I haven't. I've kept my word. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's... Hmm... Because he, he said he'd stay out of humanity's way again, so he's playing a bit fast yeah. and loose, but we'll, we'll give him that one. But yeah, I like that Picard just will not humour him at all. No. Like, he knows that Q's not going to keep him there forever, realistically. Yeah. But he's happy to go, yeah, I'm fine with okay. it. If this is what you're doing, that'll yeah. be fine. The Enterprise is okay, I'm not bothered. Yeah. And he just will not play <laughs> along with his games at all. And I really like how... You know, this is only Q's third appearance, but they've they've managed to build that up. Yeah, the really quickly. quickly. Yeah, um, it is, it's a well it's it's a well developed dynamic between yeah. them very quickly. And I like um, Picard. Sort of goes through a little bit of an arc in this episode in that he starts off absolutely confident that whatever we encounter will be absolutely fine. Yeah, we can deal. With- We're willing to do it. And then he goes from that to being able, really, he asks Q for help and he appreciates that they've been taught a lesson and he appreciates that they're not infallible and that some things they're not prepared for. So 
it's good that he's showing them ideals and that's exactly what you'd expect from a captain but it's also good that he's got the humility to take a step back yeah he shows humility yeah, yeah. and he all the interplay with Q's great like he, he, he denies Q's request to become a member of the <laughs> ship and you know I, I remember well, he says well, are you willing to go through the yeah. academy <laughs> become a cadet and yeah I, I, I would have quite liked the idea of Q being a, a crew member. I mean, on a, on a practical level, it wouldn't work because he could do anything, and yeah, it'd take out all the drama. But it would have been fun to have him. Well, he wanted to come around. straight as an admiral, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think you were pushing his luck there a little bit. I get the sense he's more or less saying that to wind Picard up, though, as well. Oh he's, yeah, he's pushing Picard's buttons. Oh like, yeah. Definitely. with statements like that <laughs> and then when they do get taken to the uncharted part of the galaxy Picard decides well we're explorers we're gonna we're gonna stick around and we're yeah. gonna investigate a little bit is it did say it'll be seven years I think it's two or three years right so this you know it's not a Voyager situation no it's not a Voyager still, situation but there's still and Picard takes the decision of okay well we're gonna go explore yeah, things. The, yeah, so yeah, we're giving sort of two, three years away, and it's it's that explorer side of him that's coming out, and you know, almost okay. It's not what we wanted. It's not the situation we expected to be in, but we can make the best of it and and do something. So I know one of the criticisms of Voyager is, you know, why are they? faffing about looking into everything when they should just be on a yeah a course home but it's a bit different when you're 70 years away from home than a few yeah. years away from home you know there's like the Enterprise original Enterprise had a five year mission so it's not unheard of for yeah for long, ships to be out of contact that long yeah, and, and you hear about other missions where we've got it coming up like he gets offered his own command and he's going to be six months out yeah this is it it's and like this isn't an unusual thing for them no. to and the galaxy class ship particularly is equipped for this kind of thing yeah. it's got everybody's got the families on board so there shouldn't be any issues there yeah. and it's got all the supplies and everything you could possibly imagine so I like that even though they're in a bit of a crisis Picard's still got he wants to do his job yeah. and explore and everything. And then this is sort of carried over. Like, when the Borg turn up, Picard does try and communicate with them. And he still wants to learn about them, even when they've made it clear they've got hostile intentions. Yeah. He wants to learn. He wants to find out more about them. And again, I think that speaks a lot to Picard's yeah, character. But then he, like, he asks uh, Guinan... Mm. Them and she just says straight you can't negotiate with them you can't yeah. talk with them they're relentless they will just keep coming yeah and they're, they're very well defined even from this early point the yeah. Borg really I mean, oh, they've obviously had a yeah like there's a lot of costume work goes into a new alien like this oh yeah yeah so I imagine there's been quite a lot of planning I would think so, yeah. I mean, and clearly, you know, they did have the thing about the outpost getting scooped up and everything, yeah. so there was a plan to bring yeah. something in at some point. I, I imagine it's like, it's a lot of it will be down to budget. Yes. And all that, and like, we don't see 
this is our first meeting with the Borg about halfway through season two are we here yeah well yeah sort of and it's not until the end of season three that we see them again no that's it en masse but it wouldn't surprise me if it sort of took that long to get all the costumes ready that's again, true again to bring it's them the, back in the effects have notably improved by the second time we see them yeah so looking at Q then we get quite a bit about him and you know we talked about he tries to get around the agreement yeah we're not on the ship we're in the middle of nowhere (laughs) there's this great thing between him and Guinan that it's clear there's a history and yeah like this always annoyed me it's clear there's a history and we see it again this thing between them but it's never fully explained no it isn't like as with a lot with Guinan but there's all this stuff like they sort of start doing weird gestures at each other yeah it's almost like the taking up like battle stances but it's these weird sort of finger gestures and stuff that they're doing and and Q's doing it as well which is is weird you wouldn't you wouldn't think of being as powerful as him so it implies that it implies that at some point he's interfered with Guinan's race yeah and they've been able to actually yeah, the, there's something they've got over the queue, that yeah. they're, whether they're able to harm them or able to repel them. I or think something. he's maybe able to repel them. Yeah, it is something that would be nice to dig into. Yeah. I mean, all we get here is that it was two centuries ago she mentions she last encountered Q. So it gives us a bit about how long lived Guinan yeah. is, but. Yeah, it's, it, it is one of the great sort of unexplored avenues, yeah, it, really. It, I'm sure there's there's probably a book out there. Maybe uh, would, somebody can tell us on yeah, our Facebook page. I would guess there must be. I mean, I'm wondering now, maybe it was to do with scheduling. You know, she would have had to get John Delancey and Whoopi Goldberg at, at the, the same time. Yeah. And also, you know, budgetary for the episode to get two big yeah. guest stars at once, probably. I'm not sure how much she asked, actually, Whoopi, because she, I know she, she requested it. to be on yeah. on. I don't imagine she was extortionate, no. but you know, I would I wouldn't imagine she would be. She probably won't have been working for scale or no. thought, but you never know. It's, it was something she She's, actively yeah. pursued. Yeah. Um, Q then. So he says that he's willing to give up his powers to join Starfleet. Hmm. I don't buy that. I didn't you, buy that I mean, at all with Q. No, it's it's clearly some sort of game that he's playing at this stage I mean whether he intended to join the the crew just to be a thorn in Picard's side for a while for his own amusement I think he's doing it all for his own amusement yeah and we we sort of see that side of him he's got no issue with putting the Enterprise in danger whatsoever he does that, as you say, for t- well to show them to yeah. make a point. Yeah, Picard says that they're ready, so he goes, "No, you basically no, you're not. This is what's out there." And Picard does call him on it. You know, you could have taught us this lesson without the amount of death that it caused. But Q has no regret about no, he that says whatsoever. If you, can't, if you can't take a little bloody nose, yeah, go home. So the, there is a jovial side to him, and there's a side. Yeah, that he, it, what's that speech he comes out with? Um, the galaxy's full of. Uh, Wonders and oh yeah, how it goes. He's basically saying you know, there's there's terrifying things yeah. out there that you're not equipped for. Yeah, it's not for the faint-hearted. That's it. Yeah, and so there's sort of 
these two sides where he's willing to be playful and we've seen him play games and things with them before but he also has a very dark side where he, human life doesn't mean anything no. to him at all and he almost You're expendable yeah he almost finds it amusing that that does bother Picard another thing I noticed about when he talks to Guinan he almost speaks about her as though she's his equal yeah you know, he shows more reverence to Guinan than he has to any human yeah. that we've seen. It is a really interesting... It, yeah, it's something I'd have liked to have seen explored a lot more yeah. than to found out about. I'd say, if it's in a book and someone's read it, yeah, let us know on our Retrek page. And Guinan herself, we get a fair bit on as well. Like We find out she's not always been called Guinan. Yeah. You knew her by another name. And we also find out that a hundred years ago, her species encountered the Borg, which we later see in Generations. Yeah. So that that's good. That's yeah, nice. There's that things that do get thread. tied in. And it is implied, though, that she wasn't personally present when they bumped into the Borg. It's her species were attacked, but she's never sort of met them face yeah. to face kind of thing. Which, again, I think that, can fit with generations like we see she's a refugee at that stage yeah but it doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't necessarily it she could have joined the ship later yeah absolutely and then one bit that was interesting that Guinan says is when she's talking to Picard she says you know we can still hold out hope that you might be able to have some relationship with the bog in the future and that's something that seems out of place given yeah. what we learn about the Borg later and how they're treated later on yeah it's well it's it is the first episode of the Borg so yeah. there's possibly still still ideas to throw in now yeah and we'll, we'll come on to them now actually we'll look at the universe so first of all the Borg then we find out what they they do is go around and scoop up sort of whole cities from yeah, they, yeah gathering technology yeah, and at this stage, at this stage of scooping whole cities, that changes later. Yeah, and it, it, this stage it is really focused on the technology yeah. that we're talking about. Uh, like Q says, the bog are the ultimate user, and they're only interested in your technology, and that's something that'll that'll, that'll alter. change as we go forward. We find out a fair bit about the ship. Like obviously, the design is a cube. It's massive. It's yeah, it's enormous. It's able to repair itself. And there's no command centre, no engineering. They don't show us having any life signs. And we later find out that that's because they're all linked into a hive mind and they don't register as as separate entities, which I'm not not quite sure how the science would work with that, because if there's organic elements surely yeah, they sure they should but we just have to take it that that's the case so when we first see an actual Borg they seem to be sending a scout over to the ship but it comes and it starts accessing the files and yeah. the ship and everything but it doesn't attack yeah it ignores them as yeah. not being a threat and that's something we see over that's something and over that's again. used all uh, Used right the way through. Yeah, that they don't attack unless they perceive you as a threat. Yeah, they they just go and get on with what they're doing. Yeah, and it's only when it's attacked that they retaliate. And we see 
even more so with this idea um, that there's no sort of individuality in the Borg. One of the drones gets killed, and then they just send another one down to carry on the job. Yeah. It's it's very very clinical. Very but the next one's attached. actually updated. It's got shields against. Yeah, and that's something we get over and over yeah. again that they always adapt and they're always able to improve. And that's part of what makes them so unstoppable is that yeah they've always got an answer yeah. for everything. And we also find out they've been around for thousands of centuries at this stage. Is it thousands of centuries That's, or thousands of years? It's thousands of centuries that Q says, because I was expecting him to say yeah. um, thousands of years. But So that really puts paid to any of these control was going to be the Borg theories and yeah, well, that's... things like that. But it, it it's something then... The more ancient, really, than just about any other species yeah. we've seen, apart from maybe the Iconians or the Organians or whatever. But yeah, I think that gets. Uh, I don't think there are thousands of centuries in later. Maybe not. No, and it's something we can we can look for that in yeah. later episodes because it it does sound more than what we thousands we of centuries. Think. You're sort of going hundred thousand years. Is it thousand centuries? Yeah. Yeah, that's a. L- it's a long, long, yeah. long time. Yeah, possibly actually. They could be. Yeah, I mean, if they predated human civilization, but it would make you wonder why they've not taken more of the galaxy. Really. Yeah. It's tricky with episodes like this where this is our first meeting with the bog, and we're setting up all the mythology of them, but there's so much more that's come after that's refined it and changed yeah. it where necessary. So. It's been tweaked. (laughs) It's interesting to get the perspective, though, of this is how they were originally conceived. It's like the dead bog, the bog that they kill, they only been the um, implants back. Yeah. The bog itself is just disintegrated on the spot, which is quite interesting. And we see, like, bog babies in this. Yeah, Yeah, we do see that again. You do, but it's sort of... It's sort of implied that the Borg reproduce yes, and oh, yeah. that's the only way that, that there's the... a there's a full life cycle yeah. for, for the Borg as a species in and of itself, whereas everything we get later is that it's through assimilation and everything. Well, not just assimilation, because we do see the maturation chambers again. Yeah. So that obviously does happen, but... Yeah, it's, it, it's interesting to see where they were at this stage. But overall, I think it's a great, great, great episode. Um, what were the high points for you then? Oh, there's loads of them. Like <laughs> I remember seeing this originally, and like the bog with I, the bog were terrifying originally. Yeah, yeah. And with the stuff on the arms and yeah, it's a great design. Uh, yeah, it was. It was just so. It was so different to what anything we were used yeah. to. And it's it's probably as close as Star Trek's got to having like an evil enemy, you know, that yeah. there's nothing sort of redeemable. Yeah. Certainly at this like, stage. Like the cube itself was something like what like when you think about it, what a great idea. Because we've seen sleek spaceships. Yeah. And, and spaceships are always sleek and it doesn't just not just in Star Trek in all, all yeah, yeah. the different sci fi's. And then suddenly you've got this species that no, it's a cube. That's yeah, <laughs> and it it makes sense from their point of view that a cube's efficient. It does what it needs to do. Yeah, 
we can make them as big as we want, as small as we want. Yeah. And it it makes sense for them to have that. And there's something intimidating about it. Jesus, that you don't, like, because it's unknowable. Like there's no no recognisable. Yeah. Where's the front? Where's yeah, the back? Where's the bridge? Yeah. It, well, where's the engines? It's that's it. The, there's something for want of a better word, just totally alien about them yeah. that we've not really had before. And I like um, the music that they use for the Borg. The The score of this episode yeah. is really good. And it gives this sort of sinister feel to it all. Um, I thought Deanna Troy was really good in this episode, and that's not something we've had a chance yeah. to say often so far. Like, she provides useful information about the bog. She recognises that they're a hive mind. Yeah. And she's using her empathic powers in a really useful way, which you know, we've mentioned before that she's often underserved by the writers. I, I think she's massively underserved. For, she's almost just put there as eye candy yeah. in, in a lot of episodes. She's really... Yeah, which is a shame because you've got a great actress and yeah. you've got a potentially very interesting character. Yeah. But this I really liked. I thought she did good in this one. And then I really, really liked the special effect when the cube cuts through the hull of the ship. Yeah, that's. I actually know how they did that. Okay, go on. It's all filmed upside down. All right. So they're actually pushing the piece out okay. from behind so that it looks like it's being sucked up. Right, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> And it's good because you see a cross section. Yeah, of so you can see depth. What they're it's, doing, and it's, it's a beautiful effect. It looks like there's a toilet in there as well. If yeah. you look really closely, which I think would be the first time we've seen a toilet in Star Trek. If it is, do we not see? I know we see bathrooms in Voyager. We see well, but this predates that. Yeah, so it could be. Um, I I thought there was, but that's that's with the HD remaster yeah. that's on Netflix at the moment, but. I remember again at the time just thinking it was an amazing effect. It is it, like cut out and just and again it shows how terrifying they are that yeah, they can do just, that. Yeah, they're the just enterprise. carving it up. Yeah, and I think just overall the Borg are a fantastic villain. Yeah, they are. The you know everything we've said about them. They're so well introduced. They're set up brilliantly as a threat. Yeah, we've had little teases before about. Yeah. Mm, them coming and it's clear that when they do turn up it's going to be a lot more hassle for Starfleet yeah it ain't going to be like facing the Klingons where they're equally matched or the Romulans where the Romulans have to send two or three ships to that's it it's one ship and we're going to see that in the next episode but before we get on to that were there any negatives in this one I don't think there is I think this is a really great episode I've got a really, really minor one. Go on. And this is only with hindsight, is that the Borg voice wasn't there yet. The sort of echoey, we are the Borg. Yeah. And that's not there. They don't have that sort of reverb on it and they don't have that that voice. But, you know, that's just... That's really nitpicky. I know it is. And it's only... (coughs) You know, it's only with hindsight. Yeah, it's only yeah, it's only because what you get used to and how we used to him in the bargain. And I suppose the only other thing would be that I think this should have been the season two finale. It feels like a season finale. It's that big. It it'd have been great. And it introduces the threat. It's 
a, a very, very but good then again, episode. But then again, by the time we got to the next episode that we're going to cover, we'd be going, oh, not the bog again for the season uh, finale. True, maybe so. <laughs> It'd been better than Shades of Grey, though, as the season finale for season two. But, yeah, that's... Let's not go there with Shades of Grey. We hate Shades of Grey. I think everyone hates Shades of Grey. <laughs> Is so, there anybody out there who likes Shades of Grey? Let us know. I don't think Jonathan Frakes <laughs> likes Shades of Grey. So, yeah, that's Q-Who, then. And we'll move on to the next one. So, this one, then. Best of Both Worlds, Part 1. We'll cover part two on the next episode. Because even though they do work as one continuous unit, I think the impact of this episode was so big that it's worth in, looking at yeah, it this, um, in and of itself. Like, <coughs> like it was... It, next Gen was struggling with figures at the time yeah. of this. And this really um, secured the Star Trek franchise for years to come. Yeah. With this episode... <laughs> No, absolutely, and it's it's one that I think even non-Star Trek fans, to a large degree, have an awareness of this episode. Yeah, It's something that big, the Picard being assimilated and the cliffhanger, yeah, it was, are uh, just part of popular culture yeah, now. it's like, but this, I, I don't think at the time shows did cliffhangers, did they? Not generally. Not between I mean, seasons. This was like something really... Yeah, it was unexpected. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think Unite like, Time Soap... I've got to wait six months. <laughs> Unite Time Soap operas used to do it, like Dallas and things like that. Yeah, but that. that was on a weekly basis. But they still had seasons. Yeah, yeah so like they did, shot they? JR was an yeah. season thing. But, yeah. But it wasn't usual for science fiction to do no. it. And, you know, Star Trek hadn't done it before this point. But it absolutely became the norm after this. Oh, it, yeah. Every season of everything yeah. usually ends with a cliffhanger Yeah, it does. Put, you're pretty so, you, in fact, anything you watch now, if it doesn't have a cliffhanger yeah. season ending, you're pretty miffed. You expect it. Yeah. And I think this did a lot for, for making that kind of the way it's done. You know, yeah. it, it's... It's ambitious in that sense. That it was at the it's time. It's something Star Trek's certainly not done and TV didn't do as much. So before we get to the cliffhanger then, let's go through the story. Starts, you know, pretty much at a hectic pace. Uh, we've got a distress signal. The Enterprise has been summoned. We find another colony that's had everything scooped up. We've all, Yeah, we've had a colony scooped up. We've got... And it's clear from the start they think it's the Borg we get Admiral Hansen and Shelby turn up Shelby's supposedly there to determine it is the Borg but it'd have been a pretty disappointing episode if she'd have said no it's not no it's not gone back home (laughs) so there's no question really what it is the subplot really is all about Riker he's been offered a promotion yeah and he he gets at loggerheads, really, with Shelby. Yeah, Sh- Shelby's sort of like after his job. Yeah, Shelby's expecting that Riker will take it and she wants she'll, to be the new first officer. Yeah. Then, before too long, the bog turn up and basically the Enterprise runs away, hides in a nebula, very <laughs> wrath of Khan, and they get on board, they take Picard, and away team goes to try and rescue him, only to find he's been assimilated. Meanwhile... 
they've developed a weapon they think will destroy the ship and Riker's left with no option but to fire, fire. it and that gives us that great cliffhanger. great cliffhanger you know it's I I think it's just a fantastic episode it works it does it's it, it adds to what we talked about before it adds to the Borg mythology it adds, yeah it has like we, we start having a simulation here yeah it, it delivers on everything that Q who set us up to expect from the bar yeah they don't underplay what a threat they've become this is terrifying yeah and the admiral's worried they're not going to be able to deal we're, with it yeah we're still not ready yeah yeah we need, it's, uh, is it, we need another 18 month or 2 years yeah. to be ready and they've arrived sooner than we expected. And as it turns out, they probably wouldn't have been ready even with yeah. that time. But yeah, they don't underplay the threat of the Borg whatsoever. And there's not a lot of of pandering on this one, like to the audience. They don't take you aside and go, Oh, do you remember when Q showed us the Borg last year and they did this, 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 yeah. this, and this? It's the way the Borg are presented in and of this episode is strong enough that even if you've not seen that episode... Yeah, you can... You can go along with it. And I think I did see this before I saw Q Who. I'm not sure. I, and it... 30 it, years ago, I'm not sure exactly, which order yeah. I saw them in originally. Well, I, I remember because I saw this one. It was on that BBC Two 6 o'clock on a Wednesday yeah. time slot. And, you know, people... I still know it took, it took me years to see the first couple of minutes of part two all right because my video it started late or something oh, happened yeah. so when i recorded it now those are problems <laughs> we don't get anymore it, it did it I, rem- I do remember it took me years to actually see yeah. the first couple of minutes of part two i didn't know what happened when he fired yeah <laughs> which is a bit annoying considering that's the big but yet like i remember the playground was a buzz the day after at school oh. about even though, like, you know, there weren't any major Trekkies at school, but it was just that good a bit yeah, of TV. Yeah, it was that something that a lot of people was talking about it. Well, it just shows that all these people who do- say they're not Trekkies... Yeah. ...were actually watching Star Trek every week anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they were still and, watching. <laughs> and this one hooked people in, regardless of where you stood on the yeah. Trekkie spectrum, I think. We'll get back to sort of some of the ins and outs of the plot then as we go through and talk about characters and universe and everything. But starting with Picard then, he first thing I picked up on was he shows a sort of familiarity with Admiral Hansen that we don't see much. He calls him JP. Yeah. And it's not often that Picard sort of lets his guard down and has nicknames. And yeah. You know, yeah, seen, it's obviously somebody that he respects and he's yeah, known for a long time. And, and He's a friend and yeah. Picard's at ease with him. And then there's some great stuff with him and Riker. Like, he outright orders Riker to reconsider his decision. You know, it's Riker's going to turn down the promotion and Picard, even though he respects Riker and wants him and as what, his first officer, he tells him, you've got to reconsider it because we need good captains yeah. and... It's, I suppose, in a lot of ways, it shows a bit of selflessness. Yeah, it's. Though he does say after that, he's like, the Enterprise will be do just as fine without you, and it's like that's a bit harsh, though. You know, <laughs> you could have, you'd think he'd have said like, you know, oh, you'll be hard shoes to fill, but don't worry. And I get that he's probably just trying to make Riker feel better about it, but it seemed a little bit tactless. <laughs> and then looking at his sort of decisions in terms of taking on the Borg. I mentioned 
like they they run away, but he's doing that so that they won't attack anybody else. Yeah. So the idea it. is if they're pursuing us, then at least they're not going onto an inhabited planet. Yeah. Or they're not getting any nearer to Earth or what have you. It's keeping them occupied. Yeah. So when they're in the nebula, um, there's a great bit where he takes a tour of the ship and he, he says it's an old naval tradition yeah. that you, you tie your Before ship you go into battle. battle. Which um, is a naval tradition. And we see that again in Nemesis. Yeah. Um, he has the bit where he talks about, you know, like, what is it, a hundred other commanding officers on the eve of battle, I wait for the dawn and all yeah. this. So that's good. That's something we pick up on later on. And then I like the conversation he has with Guinan where he's talking about if this is the end of the Federation and you know that's the stakes we're talking about yeah. potentially even though this is one yeah. ship Guinan though puts a positive note on it because it may be the end of Federation but it won't be the end of humanity yeah you'll endure you, you'll will endure and that that's fairly similar to um, in DS9 where Dr. Bashir has that think tank yeah and they say we've got to surrender to the Dominion but in a thousand years, the Federation will rise again and they'll be stronger. Yeah. And so, Guinan sort of got that philosophy, like, they, they won't wipe you out. Yeah. Because the human spirit perseveres, but it could be the end of the Federation, sort of, as we know it. And Picard, to his credit, is looking at it in sort of a philosophical way, you know, he's thinking about it and he, he's not sort of all doom and gloom about no. it. Obviously, it's not what he wants, but he's willing to think about it in a sort of a rational way, despite what must be a terrifying situation. And then we see the strength of Picard when he gets taken aboard the Borg ship. He basically says he's not going to cooperate. He'll resist them with his last ounce of strength. And he says, my culture is based on freedom and self-determination, which... Picard's getting a knack at the minute for kind of summing up what the Federation is it's and what quickly. Starfleet is. He, we get the this is where we first get the iconic resistance is futile. Yes, though. yeah, absolutely. And you know, my one criticism last time was we hadn't got that Borg voice. But yeah, we do we have a Borg here. voice now, and that remains pretty much unchanged. Yeah, every time we see them, I think you talked about a little bit building sets, building props and everything so the Borg ship looks more impressive now. yeah they've done a lot of the interior inter- looks fantastic a lot of interior work there's a lot more Borg in your Borg yeah we're getting a sense of we're getting a sense of just how massive yeah absolutely. it is inside and as I say all the way through the threat is never underplayed no it's one ship but it could seriously do a lot of damage yeah this one ship could defeat the Federation yeah that could be it the end <laughs> Um, looking at Riker then because he gets a really meaty subplot in this episode and it's mainly this sort of sparring with Shelby and you get it right from the very start like he invites the Admiral to play poker but the Admiral says no no why don't you take Shelby and it's like it's not occurred to Riker to invite Shelby I mean I don't know almost is it a bit of a boys club but then Deanna's always yeah, there and, and the Crusher's doctor. always there so maybe not but yeah, it's, uh, is he just wary of Shelby even at this yeah, stage yeah it's a funny one isn't it yeah 
Um, we we find out he's been offered that captain's position, and it's not the first time. Yeah, and it's sort of like they're not going to keep pulling out the captain's yeah, chair. Yeah, I think does Hansen say it's the third time they've offered second him or it. third? Yeah, because he, he gets offered one in the Icarus factor. Yeah, and is it later established that he was offered a ship before he became Picard's first officer? I can't remember exactly, not sure. but um, but like Admiral Hansen says, they're not going to keep pulling out the chair for you. Yeah. And that's good development for Riker. And I think this is... It's serving two purposes as well, because when we get to that cliffhanger, there is the question of, well, who's going to be the captain if Picard doesn't yeah. survive? And so we're doing this subplot to build Riker up and for us to get to the stage, oh, well, maybe he is going to take be the captain. And there's a lot of great stuff with him and Shelby, like... He clearly feels threatened by her. She calls his bluff at poker. Yeah. Which we've seen nobody's really done no before. No one does with him. Which, do you think fair. if he did it all the time that people would be calling his bluff? You would do, yeah. Like, if I played poker against you and you were bluffing me all the time, I'd start calling you bluff. Yeah, of course you would. Especially since there's no money and they're not playing for real yeah. money and they're just playing with chips. You'd do yeah. it just for laugh. Yeah. But, yeah, so, again, it's what we talked about of the use the poker game to set something up plot-wise or character-wise and here it's the rivalry between Shelby and Riker yeah. she's got one over on him yeah it's like Riker makes makes a command decision of when they're going to go down and explore the planet yeah and then she goes over his head so, with it yeah she takes data down beforehand and he pulls her up and he goes when I make an order I expect it to be yeah, followed yeah exactly and she's trying to justify it in the sense of well Daisy doesn't sleep to do it he doesn't sleep it's fine but the point the point isn't whether it was a good idea or not. The point is it was Riker's order to Riker give. Riker made an order and she broke his order. Yeah. But again, even in that sequence, he shows his professionalism because he, he gives her a bollocking, but then he says, make your report. Yeah. And he listens to a report. And yeah. that, at that stage, that's it. It's, you know, there's no more to say about it. He does get a little bit introspective as it goes along like when he's talking to Deanna you know he says I sacrificed a lot and I wonder is he talking just professionally or is he talking about her you know yeah I think it's a bit of both yeah when he talks to Deanna and he sort of starts reflecting on his life like he misses how driven he used to be and again Deanna's really good in this one like she was in the previous episode she says, well, no, you're older and wiser, and what you've gained is more important than the things you've lost. Yeah. And it's really good that Riker can start to appreciate that in and of himself. You know, because ultimately, I, he's happy with his lot as first officer on the Enterprise. Yeah. And I think, to his mind, it's... The only thing better than being the first officer on the Enterprise is being the captain. captain. Like, let's be honest, like, it's been off... Which... Is it this time that he's offered the... I think, did they say the Melbourne? Is it the Melbourne? Yeah, it was the Melbourne. And before... I can't remember which one it was before that. was going off for six months. Yeah. It might be for nothing. Yeah. Where he was on, like, the top missions... Yeah, exactly. ...on the flagship of the Enterprise. I can understand why... I can understand why... I can understand, like... Hold on, you send him. I'm going off six months in one direction, six months in other direction. It might be for nothing. So you get rid of me for a year, 
or I can be on the flagship of the Enterprise. Absolutely. Surely yeah. I'm going to be more, more on the flagship of the Enterprise as first officer. And it's not like there's a financial incentive to being promoted no. to captain, so it's not like you want to work your way through the no, ranks. it's an ego thing. Yeah, it's quick. Yeah. Which always, I mean, we've talked about Nemesis in the past, but it always surprises me that he takes the job on the Titan yeah. because I always thought he wanted to be captain of the Enterprise. Yeah. And, well, he may well still be. We don't know where he is in the well, Picard we series. We so could have the Enterprise F. We'll see what happens there. Um, a good, Another sort of strong side we see of Riker is that we always have this thing in Star Trek that the first officer... Their first duty is to the crew and the crew's well-being. And there's the bit where he orders everyone to go to sleep. You know, they've been working all night on the problem. Everybody's shattered. And he says, no, go to rest. We might be in a battle before we know it. Yeah. And Selby's the one arguing with him. Yeah. And and going, well, can't I just keep talking with Mr. He can stay up. He went, yes, but you can't. Yeah, he makes it. Direct order. I need you sharp. Yeah, exactly. He's got he's got an understanding of what he needs from his crew yeah. and that I don't need a crew falling asleep that crystallises what Deanna's saying because Riker a couple of years ago would have probably been there with Shelby saying we'll, yeah. we'll work through yeah. around the clock but the Riker we've got now knows that there's more important things and then we get another bit where she goes over his head Riker rules out the idea of separating the saucer and she takes it to Picard. Yeah. And that's when there is a confrontation and Riker yeah. basically says he'll put her in a place. And I think he's right. I think she does overstep the She does, and it's like he says, I take all recommendations yeah. to the captain. Because there's no question that Riker... I can only assume that Shelby would think that out of spite, Riker won't even raise it. But there's no way that he wouldn't no. take that option to Picard. But we know Riker. Yeah, we We've do. had three years to get to know That's him. true. And and she does point out to Riker in the confrontation that he is stood in her way. Oh, yeah. There's, the you know, it's open hostility yeah, between the two of them by job. this point. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that when it does go to Picard, Picard agrees with Riker because the, the cheap way of doing this drama would have been to have Picard say, oh, no, actually, I agree with Shelby. Yeah. To take Riker down, but it's good that that isn't what they decide to do because yeah. it, it it makes Riker's position stronger and also Picard's and the crew as a whole and it's a good lesson sort of for Shelby to to learn and then that's kind of flipped on its head that at the end when they've got this weapon ready to fire Shelby's the one saying let me lead another away team over there let me try and do something and she's the one who's not playing it by the book yeah let me go try and, rescue him and, and it's Riker who has to take the tough call and say no we haven't got time we've got yeah. to do this now so I think Riker goes on a great oh, journey in the episode and you know spoilers for best of both worlds part 2 but had it not worked out the way it is I could have seen him as a captain uh, yeah and like Another thing, like with TV, how it used to be compared to now, you didn't get spoilers between seasons. No, and you no. Didn't, you didn't have the internet full of stuff. We didn't have the internet like no, we do now. No, that was it. So you saw the end of this and it's like six months and you, and there was speculation, well, has Picard gone? 
Yeah, because um, there, there were rumours that Patrick Stewart's contract was up. Yeah. And, yeah, it, they'd clearly set up a dynamic there that you could have had Riker as captain, Shelby as his first officer. Yeah. And that would have worked. Yeah, it would. Because, again, I remember us at school talking about and saying, well, who's going to be the captain yeah. next week, you know? Yeah, we used to do this and... You were guessing a lot of the time what was going to come. Yeah, you were. We didn't have the... Like, as I say, we didn't have spoilers. We didn't have it all over the internet. And, and it's, it's a very difficult cliffhanger to pull off. You, you probably couldn't do it now. No. I mean, the, the closest I can think of is... Do you remember that episode of Doctor Who where David Tennant started regenerating at the end? And it just said to be continued. Yeah. And then next week that he did that thing with the hand and blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, it went... But I remember they didn't do any publicity or anything Yeah, they didn't let him work. And, you know, you thought, well, there's no waste. They haven't announced he's going. But there was a little bit of doubt little in your mind. Well, is there? That thought, have they done it early? And yeah. Because everyone sort of knew we were going after the specials, but... But yeah, you, you don't get that as much. No, now. it's really difficult and, to do. But this one worked because I remember us talking about it and the way the drama's set up, the way it builds, there is no way that they can get out of this. No. You know, they're they're going to fire. It's going to destroy the bog. That's going to be it. Yeah. And it was just inconceivable to think <laughs> how they could get out. And so much so that I think um, the writer of this episode was expecting to move on to another show after this season. Yeah. And wrote it and said, oh, well, good luck whoever has to pick that up. And it ended up being him because he he stayed. (laughs) So he had to get out of it in the next episode. Looking at the universe then, so we've talked about, you know, Starfleet know they're not ready for the Borg at this stage. They've recognised it as a threat. The weapons are still two years away, so... We're doubling down on how intimidating the Borg yeah. are and how frightening they are. We find out a little bit more about um, Borg technology. They say that they've got so many redundancies that up to 78% could be destroyed. Yeah, the ship could be destroyed and it'd regenerate. It'd keep regenerating. And they even say the ship could be the same one as we saw in Q-Who. Yeah. They never say definitively, but yeah, it's the same. It's c- like, how can, how can they tell? And There's- that... Again, that would make sense. I know we... Well, well it makes sense that, like, even though it was Q who brought him back with the click of his fingers, it's still... They didn't sort of disappear one place. No, no. And reappear. They went through space. Yeah. It's conceivable that that bog just Q kept following has them. just gone to maximum yeah, speed yeah. and followed them. Because yeah, we, we were talking two or three years at enterprise speed. Yeah. But we've already established the bog can move faster. Yes, yeah. And... There's no reason for the Borg not to do that. Like, if it was um, the Federation, they might say, oh, well, your ship's not equipped to follow them. Yeah. Let's get a, a science vessel. Yeah. But the Borg wouldn't. All the ships are the same. Yeah. Or at least they are now. We we play with that a bit when we get to Voyager. But, you know, it, it could well be. But ultimately, it, it doesn't matter. It, no, it doesn't matter. But it makes sense that it's yeah. the same. I've always assumed it was the same queue. Yeah, it, I, I have as well. So. It makes more sense for it to be the same cube to have followed them and come after them. Yeah. For them, for them to go back to Borg Space and send another one out. Yeah. And then the other big change is that we find out now they are interested in, they say humanity, but by that really they mean all biological yeah. entities. And that's pretty much the last piece of the puzzle for the Borg. Yeah. And... 
I think that's something that was needed. Like, be, even in Q-Who, they're unstoppable. They're technologically superior. They're going to be difficult to defeat. But there's something far more invasive about a species that will take people and make them take make away them the humanity. Yeah, make, make them, them into them. Yeah. So I like that addition to it. Yes. It makes it far more sinister. And then they also want a human voice to to serve as liaison to negotiate. Yeah. And the sort of justification given for that is that they've recognised that the Federation are going to be a problem. They're not just going to lay down and let yeah. themselves be assimilated. So perhaps naively, the Borg think that having a, a mouthpiece will will yeah. get around this. But um, that's the setup for why they do what they do to Picard. So highlights for this one then. I mean, we've covered some of them, but there's, there's loads to talk about on this oh, one. Like, when they assimilate in Picard and the tear runs down his face yes, as he feels yeah. himself sort of like losing him and vanishing the, it's almost like I'm got he realises that he's go, yeah. going the composition of the shot when they first get there as well is because you've got Patrick Stewart stood side on so we don't see the bog implant and then he turns yeah and it is a shock you know I know it's been parodied and um, you know Voyager tried to sort of recreate yeah. it and things like that but that moment was... But this is the first it, time. Yeah, it was a huge shock when they did it. And I think, for me, this is the best cliffhanger I think I've ever seen on television. I, it, it does... It stands up there. It's I can't to think, think of, of a better cliffhanger. It, as I said before, it seems like there's no way out of it. Yeah. It's... The, the ship's going to blow up. Picard's going to be gone. And what on earth do we do from there? Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's just incredible. And Next Generation, I don't think ever topped it. No, and it, you know, from this point on, they do an end of season cliffhanger every season, but they never quite got. Like, they don't reach the site again. No, and but it's it's also that thing like it's the impact because, like we said, this was sort of like the first time. I yeah. know Doctor Who used to do it every week. Oh yeah, but and, that's and all the old all the old serials used to do it every week, cliffhanger, and then it'd change. Yeah, but no, this didn't change anything. It continued. Yeah, exactly. And it was, it was just shocking. It, you know, it comes up to be continued, and you know, we did next gen. Aside from Encounter at Farpoint, hasn't done a two parter. No, Star Trek's only ever done the Menagerie before, and all of a sudden it's wait, what? This is a two part episode, and it's in the season, and that's it. We've got to wait now. And <laughs> you know, we were kind of lucky in England because BBC Two had bought Best of Both Worlds Part Two, and they were allowed to show that. Yeah. So we only had to wait a week. We then had to wait about two years before Sky picked up the rest of yeah. season four, but. Um, at least we we only got a week's wait for this cliffhanger, but you know you talk about um, there was the big cliffhanger in Walking Dead with Negan and everything, and you know people went crazy over that, but this was no. on another level. Yeah. <laughs> it was just incredible. Um, any lowlights to this one? It's another one that it's hard to think of any low points in it. It's a really really good episode. No, I don't. Um, 
and re-watching it again for this, I thoroughly enjoyed it just as much as I remember. No, absolutely. I wasn't disappointed. No, it's still, it builds and builds and builds the tension. Yeah. And, you know, we'll talk about next week whether the second half lives up to it. But as a thing in and of itself, part one... Part one is a great... It's just phenomenal piece of television. And, And like I said earlier next gen was having ropey figures at the time yeah and it's arguable that best of both worlds is we've got to be thankful for for all the trek we've oh, had yeah. since definitely it could have very easily been cut as a series because there would be no way if you watched that cliffhanger that you would not come back to find out what happened no you, you could not at, at the time if i was in on a wednesday then I would watch Next Gen at 6 o'clock. Yeah. But the following Wednesday after this, it was, I am there at 6 o'clock. There's no question. And as I say, luckily, they had it (laughs) available, otherwise it would have been a long wait. So that then's Best of Both Worlds Part 1. Two really, really good episodes this week. Yeah, two good Borg episodes and a good queue. The Borg at this stage are totally unblemished. Yeah. There's an argument to be made that at this stage they were Star Trek's greatest ever villain. Yeah. And where they go from here, we are going to look at that in the next few weeks. Next few few weeks down the line, yeah. We'll talk about what else happens with the Borg, but it's a good high note to leave it on for it now. Is. So if you want to get in touch with us, we're on Twitter, at RetrekPod. We're also on Facebook. If you put Retrek in your search engine, we'll be on there. And if you want to email us, it's retrekpod at gmail.com. But for now then, thanks for trekking with us this time, and we'll see you next time on The Retrek. Thanks and bye.